You're listening to 2, 5, and 10, your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. to episode 120 of 2, 5, and 10. It's been a little bit of a layoff, but but we're back. And someone who is not back, as they would say in French, au revoir, would be a uh, Marc Bergevin. Benny, what up? Yeah, if anybody complains about the uh, gap in time between podcast episodes, it's the fucking holidays. You're lucky you're getting anything. Lucky. Exactly. Be grateful. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so just getting on, jumping right in with uh, this shakeup in Montreal that happened a couple of days ago. Uh, Mark Bergevin, uh, who was in there last year, was deal anyway. So uh, it looked like he didn't want to be there anymore either. So he got fired. Uh, pretty shitty way that Montreal kind of handled the whole situation. Scott Mellonby, uh, shout out to NHL on Fox. Uh, from the memories of Scott Mellonby, uh, was basically next in line. He was told unofficially that he would be the next GM once Bergeron was gone. And then he sees reports and finds out that they reached out to the Rangers to ask permission to interview Jeff Gordon. He finds that out, and he submits his resignation. So then Montreal loses Melamy as well. There were rumors about they want a ho- president of hockey operations and then a general manager underneath him, or do they want just a, pre- a team president? And then Bolson said, no, I know what I'm doing. Uh, we don't need a team president. We just need a GM. And then they end up hiring Gordon even though he doesn't speak French, which was another reported holdup. They wanted a French speaker. Very uh, usual. Yeah. Yeah, they were talking to Danny Briere, I guess, who, man, extremely qualified if all you care about is what rolls off his fucking tongue and not his actual front office capabilities. Uh, I joked with you, maybe they should just hire Patrick Waugh. Um, but, yes, yeah, so they bring in Gordon, which kind of signals to me that they're going to start tearing this thing down in Montreal, which not much to tear down at this point. And they're bringing in a guy who has experience with coming to the end of career line with a franchise goaltender. Uh, I will say this on the Gorton hire. A, I was very surprised just with, uh, like you said, the whole non-French speaking thing. We saw what happened when they had hired Kirk Muller years ago to be the head coach in the interim in how they were already calling for his head, which to me is asinine. Like, just by putting yourself in this predicament, you do not get a full pool of talent. You're restricting yourself to strictly French. And I mean, you know what? Maybe that is 
the mystique of that the Montreal Canadiens just growing up as to, you know, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. They always had the guys, Lafleur, Cabineau, like... Okay, I get it, but at the same time, like, why would you want to hinder yourself? If you want to proclaim and be that top team in the NHL and get back to the glory land that was the Montreal Canadiens, why would you do that for? Uh, next thing is, so they bring in Gorton as the president of hockey operations, and currently, as of right now, he's looking for a GM, not officially the GM. Yeah. So now I'm confused because it's like, I, I like Gordon. I, I think he did a great job here as our assistant GM. He went on to you guys where I thought he did a very good job there too in the sense of building and structuring a team. Uh, I mean, when he was in Boston, he was responsible for the Tuka trade, drafting Marchand, um, and a couple other guys, and he was only there in the interim basis. Correct. He, he wasn't here very long. And um, the, the other thing for me that's just like, weird is now if he's put in a hot seat or pushed into a corner for specifically going out there and having to hire a French GM at what point are you really the president of hockey operations you know what I'm saying if I can't make my decisions or my decisions are pushed to a certain way because of a language I don't know if I want that job like, it just doesn't seem appealing to me. Like, the Montreal Canadiens and the mystique and the history, yeah, I'm there. But for the other part of it of you're pushing yourself into a corner as to what you can and can't hire, I don't like that part of it. And to me, it's it's sticky. And you brought up a great point. He had a goalie at the end of his career in Lundqvist, and now, going forward, he has a very damaged carry price in... We have seen what Carey Price has turned into. Uh, we know what his postseason resume is like. And transitioning, right? We look at this team of last year. Not much has changed. Now we go to this year. They're out, they're out, without Weber. They were without Price. They lost Kokiemi. Uh, they lost Deneau. Uh, and Perry. Yeah, and Perry, who, whatever, were finer for the most part. But, yeah, I mean, the overall point, like, yeah, not much has changed. But that's why the run they had was so surprising. Like, in a normal year, like, wouldn't have made the playoffs anyway. Um, so, I don't know why the expectations were where they were in Montreal. Um, and they were going to have to move on from Bergevin anyway. But they're right back to square one with Price, which is what you're getting at. I don't think he's tradable, unless you're going to eat like 80% of that contract. No, he, he's not tradable. And the other part's this, too, like looking at it. You mentioned that, you know, Bergevin and the Canadians were in talks, but there was the rumor of him walking away from them at the end of the season anyway. And. I think Bergevin will get another GM job, but now it's just to the point of if he was going to walk anyways, right? Like, you guys aren't going to be able to agree on a contract, whatever it is. I understand it's still very early in the season, so obviously you would allow him to make these decisions and so on and so forth, but what if he goes out? What if he gassed Ushan because things weren't going good? Now you're out of coach. 
you know, it's like, how, how, how do you get by on these things? Like, that's what I don't know. And that's how I, I can't really try to assume as to what's going through their mind. And, again, like you mentioned, Gordon's background with the Bruins for a short period of time and then his long run with the Rangers. You don't bring him in because you're, again, not a knock on Gordon, you know? He's just, a, from his background, he's the type of guy you bring in when you know you need to kind of rebuild from the ground up, which is what he did in New York, essentially. So you're not bringing him in because you think you're one or two moves away from being a legitimate cup contender again. This is kind of an acknowledgement that, all right, Wendell has closed on this era in Montreal to carry Price team. And now it's going to be three, four years of a rebuild, potentially longer in Montreal. And I don't know, everybody talks about the New York market, but especially in hockey, I don't know if Toronto, if Montreal is the market where you're going to get five years to build from the ground up again. You'll get two years, you'll get one year where it gets torn down, one year where they still the prospects, and then you have the third year, like, where are the prospects? Fuck the prospects, sign this guy, trade for this guy, we're tired of losing. So, I think Gordon's in a no-win situation here in Montreal. He's going to get praise for bringing in a prospect, and then he's going to get no leash to kind of see it through. Now, do you think in the end it'll be Gordon could put it on whoever the GM is? Well, I mean, he's the man, right? Like, the buck should stop with him. Like, so, if it's not, we're trusting him to make the hire for the organization. If he makes the hire and then that hire doesn't work, you're going to trust him with the second hire? No, he's gone and the GM is gone. I don't think you can do something where, okay, he fucked up the first hire, but we still trust him to make the next one. Like, you got one, one go with us. So, who he hires, maybe since he's not the French speaker, now the GM has to be a French speaker and they'll bring in a really young guy like a Briere because Gordon has so much experience being a GM, he can help kind of guide and teach him a job, maybe it's something like that, but like you said, you're eliminating yourself and there's a reason why you haven't won to stand like up in 30 years. But through that though, right, just because he's going from a limited talent pool, say he picks Briere and, you know, by the end of next season, all right, this isn't working. So now we go to Patrick Waugh, for example, just throwing out names that we know who have been rumored. So now he goes to Patrick Waugh, and, you know, maybe the Patrick Waugh is not meant for the front office. Maybe he's more of a coach, and you bring in a fucking fiery GM as opposed to a fiery coach. And now it's like, you're kind of just... This is like a barn fire, where... You know, there's a little spark, but the hay's all dried up. And then if that hay catches on fire, now you're going up to the loft. Like, that's that's just where I see this whole thing go. And, you know, we've been kind of waiting for the uh, rug to be pulled out from Montreal for the last couple of seasons. You and I were pretty down on them the last two season previews, essentially. We finally got it right this year. Um, but it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be some pain in Montreal, and just as teams like Ottawa, uh, and Detroit 
focus card turning the corner, Montreal's going to be on the way down. It's going to be them and Buffalo in the, uh, in the basement for a while there. I mean, at least they're battling with somebody, right? you got to be happy that Ottawa's there with you. I mean, Buffalo's there with you, too. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other, I guess, big thing for us that I wanted to get into was the suspension that Marshawn got for the alleged slew foot. I saw it live. I texted you right away. I said, that is not a slew foot. I know he has a reputation. You know I'm not a huge fan of Marshan's antics. Like, as a player, great player. His the bullshit side surface shit, I don't like. That was not a slew foot on Eklund Larson. Like, that was just incidental contact. There was no kick through. There was no leg stick out. There was no jab at the skate. It's just incidental contact, and the guy fell. Uh, it looked worse than what it, what it actually was, and for the league to look at the replay and still suspend him, I, I disagree with it. I think that's full-on reputation, Paul. Uh, I do, too. I mean, if you watch the whole thing, like, he hits Ekman Larson shoulder-to-shoulder on open ice. Like, and then to me it looks like it's a guy who's trying to come down and plant his foot back into the ice. I don't consider it a slew foot. I mean, does his leg come down and kick out Larson's legs? Yes. But the way I interpret a slew foot is... I'm going to kick your skates out from underneath you, and then I'm going to push your upper body backwards down into the ice knowing that your legs aren't there. Like, like that's the way I've always personally interpreted a slew foot, where I deliberately kick out your legs, and then I'm popping your front side backwards knowing that you have nowhere to go. And I don't see it there via the NHL PAs or the NHL Safety Committee's Department of Public Safety, I can't even speak tonight, holy fuck. Um, the Department of Public Safety's video labels him as a repeat offender, even though I don't remember the last time Marshan has been suspended. But for a guy in P.K. Subban who has deliberately, three times this year, kicked out somebody's legs, and last time got a $25,000 fine out of it, or 15000 whatever it was, now Marshan misses three games. But one guy can do it three times in the same season and he's not a repeat offender. Like, I am blown that they're trying to push out now is narrative. I just, uh, I've always had a problem with DPS and now at this point I, I don't know. That, yeah, I mean, send him there for a trip next time. Maybe, maybe it's a nasty trip and he needs three games too. I just... I don't know. But isn't there, isn't there something with the, the part of player safety that uh, previous infractions kind of fall off after a certain amount of time? Correct. And that's why I don't know why he's still a repeat offender because Tom Wilson, yet again, when Willie got happened at last time, he was not a repeat offender. And then, who was it? Nazem Kaidri last year when he had the thing in the playoffs. Previous to that, he had never had any issues in Colorado. Everything was in Toronto. He'd been in there a season and a half, and he was still labeled as a repeat offender. So I just want to know at what point it gets washed from your history. I just, I'm confused. <laughs> um, yeah. I know he, like you said, he has a history. To be honest, it's been a, not a long time. Like, you still see it.
being a little piece of shit, but he's not the same guy even from three or four years ago where he was actively putting guys in dangerous their hand open only gets two more games than I do? I, I, I don't know at this point. Hey, go out there and do whatever the fuck you want. It's not going to be that bad. Like two, things like that. That's always been a rumor going around about Lemieux for a while now. I mean, he got traded from the Rangers and... For a bag of pucks, too. Yeah, he got sent out of town and there were rumors in New York about why he was traded. And when he left, on the Rangers at the time, basically said a peep about him being gone. Like, usually when trades happen, like, oh, well, you know, we'll miss what he brings or he's great. on Instagram, they spend a lot of time together off the ice. Not a lot of the guys are older and married and have kids, so they used to a lot of time around the city. None of them gave a shit that when he left. That's the appearance that came off. So that to me was like, a, oh, maybe that is true. And then after this, for uh, Kachuk to come out and say that, it's like, okay, yeah, where there's smoke, there's fire. I mean, th the other part of it too, right, is when Scotty Gomez went on Spit and Chicklets the first time, he brought up all those stories of his father, Claude. And now, you think about it, and you're going, you know, at least Claude had won cops. He had something behind him, right? And now, you come to the son, and if he's a direct, you know, same off chopping block as the old man, and he's going to go out and do whatever it is he deems is necessary to win, even though he doesn't have any reputation to back it up besides who his father is. I mean, kind of hard for me to want to go to bat for you when you haven't done shit in this league. But my dad has, you know? Yeah, it's... Let's say his tenure in L.A. and 
that were like not well. Where does he go from there? You know. I don't think he has many other options after after LA. I, I thought LA for him would be a great place to start over. It was a very young team. He had a very specific role in this team, and I thought for him that would be a good landing spot. And it doesn't seem as if that has been the case. Uh, Jonathan Quick did come out to defend uh, Brendan yesterday and said, you know, I I don't care what Kachuk's saying, it's not true, blah, blah, blah. Now, I, I got a question for you. I remember growing up that World Cup of Hockey and Kachuk and the Mew going at it at the blue line there. Do you think this is like a family affair where like anytime, you know, growing up, even as kids, they just brought up like, oh, you know, certain guys and the Mew comes up. And do you think like there's ever still any ill will there both ways? Just like, I hate that fucking guy. I don't know. I mean, that's... Especially not in this sport. You know what I mean? It's not like Claude and you fucking murdered Chuck and then the kids are off for vengeance against this kid. Like, it's taken. Um, I was going to say, I mean, if he never got killed after the Chris Draper thing and it was just that Darren McCarty thing was the worst thing that happened to him, then yeah, I guess you can't really say vengeance. Yeah, it's just, especially with hockey, guys fight each other and then get drinking after the old cliche. I don't think the kids after what is it? that was the ninety six World Cup, right? Yep. Yeah, so ten twenty five years later they're like, you know what, this is Lemieux, this is Lemieux, it's his son. Or this is Kachuk, it's his son. Fuck him. I'm getting uh I'm saving the family name. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know if it was the same in a family name or anything like that, but just one of those cases where, you know, you just never like the guy, and anytime he came up, there was all, you know, fuck that guy. I mean, I think you can have that for either one of those guys, Brady or Brendan, without even having a na- last name attached to it, with the, fuck him, I don't even like him. Well, yeah, that's true, so, I mean, just, uh, I hate, I hate the good chucks. And you know why I do. And it's the most petty thing ever. The chewing on the mouth guards after every fucking whistle. Yeah, but you love, you love Patrick Kane, though. Whistle. You love Patrick Kane, though. Kane doesn't get, fucking get involved, man. It's just like, they chew on the mouth guards. Then he taken it to the glove and complained to the ref about a call for something that they obviously did, and then he chewing it again, or they in a scrum and they chewing on is then spitting all over the other fucking guy because of the mouth part being there. That just fucking irks me. Oh no, I mean, if I was on the ice, I I would take the mouth guard. I I would own it. <laughs> I I would take the mouth guard out of the mouth, and I mean that would probably cause a fight, but I would I would take it. Yeah. Um, moving on, I guess we can keep it with the Lemieux last name. So, the Penguins got bought by the owners of the Boston Red Sox. Uh, well, the organization, the company is called Fenway Sports Group. They own the Red Sox and they own 
So they have the Red Sox, they have Liverpool, they have Fenway Roche Racing, and now they have the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yes, they buy the Penguins for $900 million. Uh, Mario Lemieux will remain active with the Penguins, so he's basically probably going to be like a Barry Jeter type deal. He'll have a small, very small ownership stake, but he'll be the face of the ownership group because of just his godlike status in the city. Um, but beyond that, the only thing I wanted to touch on with this is I don't just the financial might that this new ownership group has. The Pittsburgh Penguins were one of many teams in the National Hockey League that looked at the salary cap and looked at salaries as okay, can we make it work under the cap and can we make it work financially? A lot of teams have to view Now they only have to care about the cap. They don't have to care about the actual money outlay because this ownership is not going to the fuck. They're going to say, is it going to win a Stanley Cup? Do it. Is it going to do this? Do it. As long as, it, as, long as Hextall can make a work under the cap, he's not going to get a no. And that's, gonna, that's really going to change kind of the outlook of the division the Rangers are in, the Metropolitan Division, and also the sport where they don't have a lot of big pocket owners, like the NBA and everything. So this is pretty exciting, and if I was the Players Association, I would find it exciting as well. But they're gonna, they turn every team that they have into a money-making machine outside of the team itself. So you're gonna see a build-up around the arena, which is going to generate more revenue and it for a, a little bit there everybody was like okay so the window is pretty much almost closed for the Crosby era Malkin's coming up, Lepang's coming up um, what's going on in goal now you're looking at this, this might be a second wind for Crosby and the Penguins where they can eat contracts with some guys as long as they can make it work under the cap, they don't, they're not going to have to worry about, well, he's getting paid $11 million in the real world. Our owner can't do that. Now they, don't. they can take that worry off the table. I just wonder now how much influx they're actually going to want to have to do with the hockey operations part of it. Like you said, I mean, it's basically an open checkbook. You know, you can spend to the cap. That's not an issue. But... Now on the other end with, you know, they have Ron Hextall as the GM. They have Brian Boy, uh, Jesus, Brian Burke there as the director of hockey operations. And I mean, j just like Berkey has said before, th there's two hands on the wheel. They're both mine. Like, are they going to be on board with that? I is it, you know, hey, we don't mind giving you a checkbook, but we also want to run things a certain way. Or is it just going to be, all right, you're in charge of the operation, open checkbook, go win it all? But yeah, I think that's kind of the biggest thing. I mean, John Henry here does not have a good name, especially ownership-wise, and not in the sense of what he allows on the field, at least with the Red Sox. So it's more just him. He, he's kind of... 
an awkward guy. He's kind of just there. He, he doesn't really like to be the voice. Like, he was, you know, the majority owner in the group, but when he was here, he was Larry Lucchino was his voice. He was the guy who would do all the talking and do all the grunt work. And it's like, in hockey, is that respectable enough? Because How many team owners do you know? A couple. Yeah, out of 32. Like, ownership in the National Hockey League, again, is... It's more groups than owners. Yeah, more groups than owners, individual owners. You know a couple of them because of either the market or uh, they're pretty... They put their, themselves out there. This ownership group, it's going to be the Mario. Mario's going to be the face. Mario's going to be answering all the questions when things are good and when things are bad. He's going to be the guy accepting the Stanley Cup or being in the Stanley Cup. He's the, he's the man. This ownership group is buying it for investment and putting money into the team to, uh, to help the team win. I mean, as a fuck about accolades or attention. As owners, too, I mean, I guess they did it the right way. That that building there is relatively new. Yeah. So, you know, they didn't have to pay for a new building, so that's already in place for them. Exactly. So they're, and they're going to build that up even more. So this is a great deal for the Penguins. I mean, think back to the early 2000s. Everybody, they were bankrupt. They were going to be leaving Pittsburgh. Now they're going to have one of the richest ownership groups in sport, and they have the new arena. They're set up for a long, long time. So it's good for them, even though I hate the Penguins, but it's good for the sport in general. Well, we should try to get down to that arena just to see what it's like. I mean, then you would have to go to Pittsburgh. I know, I mean, it's kind of like, <laughs> should, should we call it, like, it's, it's Newark? Like, it's kind of like the same thing. Probably. Uh, just a little bit older and a little more, uh, lighter. <laughs> yeah, so, welcome to Pitts, Newark, Pennsylvania. Um, but other than that, uh, for recent reviews, do you have anything you want to hit on in terms of the Bruins? Uh, last, I don't know, let's call it ten days. Ten days, let's see, we had a bomb drop that Jake DeBrusque had officially put in a trade request, and to be honest, I don't care. I, I think this is something we should have done at the draft. Should have got rid of him then where he had a higher ceiling. He's come in, he has three goals and uh, I don't even know, 18 games. And Bruce Cassidy came out after the game on Saturday night and was very forthcoming, but I mean, I think it was more truthful than anything that when asked about Jake, he said... The biggest problem we have with Jake is effort. Um, you know, Jake has great speed. Great speed, he goes, but when he's not putting pucks in the net, nothing else is working. He goes, you know, we'd love for him to use that speed on the forecheck. We'd love for him to use that speed on the multi kill. But we're not getting it. And to me, as just, you know, I, I work a construction job. I, I go, I break my balls. I would trade being a fucking NHL player and having that talent in a heartbeat. And for me, like, the biggest thing that fucking people are going to question you on is your effort. Like, that's crazy to me. Like, that you don't try hard enough. 
Like, 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 you're getting pissed. That's the worst thing to be called in hockey. You don't try hard enough. Yeah, and I mean, it, 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 it's very, it, to me, it's very visible. It's been visible since, by the end of his second year here, I didn't want him anymore. Because he was very one-dimensional, and that was exactly it. But when he's not putting the puck in the net, you're not getting anything else out of him. But like, listen, you don't have to go out there and, and check anybody. You know, you're, you're not meant to check anybody. But you can at least be hard on a four track. You can get after a puck. And like they said, for a penalty kill, he has great speed. He is a sniper. The kid can put the puck in the net. And will he go somewhere else and flourish? Yeah, maybe. But I just think that here, uh, the experiment's over. And we've heard of other places where, you know, how long do you wait for a prospect to develop before you call him a bust? This has officially run its course. See you later. Like I'm not gonna miss you. Like go somewhere else and score 40 goals. Like I, I, I honestly don't care. Um, I, I just always hated that kind of play where if one thing's not working for you, you know, make something else work for you. And he just could never do it. And that that was always my beef with Jake DeBrusque. And you know, of course, he came out this year and he scored. I think it was in the first two games. And oh, here, here we go with Jake DeBrusque merry-go-rounds. And th- thank God it is where it is. Um, I hope he lands on his feet. I I don't know what at this point the return value is here with a player who at this point he's damaged goods. And the other part to me was so. It's not like you look at a player like Taylor Hall before and you're like, oh shit, he's in Buffalo, he's not in a good spot, he's in Columbus, he's here, he's there. The Bruins themselves are marked as a very high organization, from the locker room to the leadership group to everything that goes on. And it's like, if he can't get it done here or put effort forth here, do you think he's going to go to another locker room and do it? Yeah. I, I, I don't see it. And short term, I think the boss is out of the lineup. I'm not saying suddenly it's a huge hole you have to fill. But it, it is a warm, a warm body in your top nine. That's, unfortunately, that's what we need right now. Marshan's out. Um, we have a couple of injuries. We actually had to take DeBrusque and Halla, who were both in the press box on Sunday night, to come in and play yesterday against Detroit. And, I mean, I don't want to say they're, they're both in Cassidy's doghouse, but, but it seems that way. I mean, Halla hasn't really worked out here, and Jake's been in and out of it for the past few years. So... Granted, Cassidy's currently in COVID protocol, so he was out last night, so maybe it was different for Jake playing, but I mean, once the news came out, he requested a trade, it's, I mean, the fans were booing him, they're getting all over him, and I have mixed reviews in, like, you know, the Bruins group I'm in, you know, I can't believe, what kind of fan base are we for booing a player? Like, I, I'm so confused with the people in the 
you know what, treat other people the way you want to be treated, sure, absolutely, 100%, but at the same time, like, now I think we can officially push that uh, the 2015 draft never happened. Nebraska's going to be gone, Zaboro is a bottom six defenseman, he's a 5'6 guy, and Zach Senshin is not going to ever be anything in this league. Fire. And when I say offense, uh, that's just eating. 
you're still trying to find the right combinations. It looks like a uh, Dryden Hunt, I mean, it could just be a good two weeks. I'm not trying to say, like, oh, they, he's suddenly a top six winger. But then again, Stroman Panarin made Colin Blackwell a top six winger last year. So they don't need much on that line. They just need the guy who's going to get in on a four check, uh, use his body, and then when the chances come his way, to very low chances, or at least uh, create a scoring chance, and Hunt's doing that right now on the right side. Uh, Kreider is carrying this team offensively. I mean, Panarin's starting to really come on now. He has, I think, 13 points in the last six games. Uh, but Kreider scored again tonight, 16 goals in a year. He's third in the league. He has nine or 10 power play goals. Uh, he only has three assists. <laughs> So he has 16 goals and 19 points. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the Rangers are still trying to find their way offensively. Kako's really come around the last couple weeks uh, well around the game. He had two assists tonight. Lafreniere, I don't know what his deal is. Like, it's not compete. Like, he battles every shift. He's in there. He's involved physically. He got in this first fight uh, against the Islanders this past week against uh, Pajot. Can I say, I loved that. I loved that. The Rangers bench loved it. Like, he, he's great in the room. He competes. He plays hard. You see the skill there. It's just not working for him, and it's probably because he doesn't get much power play time. So that limits his offensive output. He's also on the third line because they tried him on the right side. He didn't feel comfortable there. They tried Kreider on the right side. He didn't feel super comfortable there. So now the Rangers have left wing of Kreider, Panarin, and Lafreniere. And who do you put on the third line? So right now it's Lafreniere. Um, and that's probably not the best position for him to succeed. And this goes back to the draft where when he was taken first overall, I joked with you. I was like, we don't need an overall player. We need a center. So we should take your boy from Germany. And they went with Lafreniere because it was the obvious pick. Like, I'm not saying it was a bad one. Um, but they could have used a center or a right winger. So that's really the struggle there. It's just finding the footing offensively. Uh, defensively, Fox Lindgren, great. Truba's really come around. He's really turning himself into a all-zones, all all-game type, physical, tough, crazy son of a bitch in the back end. Like, he looks like he's one, one bad incident away from turning into American Psycho. <laughs> I love that. I love that personality trait that he has. Right? It's just like, when he's on the ice, he looks like he's ready to lose his shit. <laughs> um, and then Igor and Goal, carrying the team. Uh, they won again tonight, playing the Flyers. Dominated the first period, and then the second third, he hung out for dear life, and he really did to bail now. So, that's what the Rangers are. They won four in a row now. It's the third time this year they won four in a row. Uh, right now.
too. You're, you know, you're making this very difficult, but I just want to throw that out there first. No, I'll go. I have, for my lock of the week, I, I actually have your blue boys. I have the Rangers at home Friday night, December 3rd, against San Jose. I, I just think that San Jose's traveling cross-country. You guys are at home waiting for them. I, I think that's a uh, nice game for you guys, especially considering San Jose plays the night before against the Islanders, so you get them on the other end of a back-to-back. I, I think that should be a nice layup for you guys. And what's your game of the week? My game of the week, I, I'm looking at the schedule here, and there's not too many people that are matched up too high in the sense of rankings. I mean, we could go off of teams of the past and, and do that. But uh, game of the week that I like, and I know that this team is not currently playing up to snuff, but I do think overall game it'll be good. It's Sunday, December 5th. I have Calgary at Vegas. Well, I'm sticking the same night for my game of the week. I'm going Toronto at Winnipeg. Toronto on a roll. Winnipeg started the year pretty slowly, and now they're coming around, and I think it's a good matchup in terms of the size and physicality that Winnipeg brings, and then Bolton versus the uh, top-heavy offensive attack that Toronto has. So I think that'll be a good matchup, especially on the Winnipeg ice. And my lock of the week, I'm going to go, I'm going to take an easy one to start off. Friday, December 3rd, Vegas over Arizona. <laughs> uh, all right, so, so keeping it light. I like that. Th that's a national game. ESPN Plus and Hulu. ESPN and Hulu. All right, so you want the world to see it. Uh, do you have any shout-outs? Shout-outs this week. Um... So first shout out I have is for my sister calls me last night and she's like, hey, um, can I come over? I need to drop off your like birthday month gift. And I'm not a big birthday guy. I've never been, you know, some of those people that are like, oh my God, it's my birthday month. Like I for, I literally forgot a couple of years ago, birthday coming up. Just it's never been my thing. I'm more of a team guy. Um, and she showed up and I have a beer advent calendar for the month of December. So we're currently drinking a, it's called Grantler Hell. It's a grumpy German Hellas with a angry German guy on the front. And, uh, pretty good. Not bad. So I'll give that one to Sierra. Uh, next one is this weekend, we officially have the big sexy Kyle Eisner getting married. So, uh. Me and the Strat Daddy will be spending the weekend down on the Cape, which, I mean, what's the worst that could happen, right? Like, it can't be that bad. A, a baby out of wedlock for one of you guys. Uh, I, I was going to say, uh, me, or, me or Strat will be pushing one out in, you know, a couple of months. And, I mean, they say it can't be done, but seahorses, all the males are the ones who have the baby. So, me, me, and, the, me and Strat are going to play the seahorse game. And... Uh, yeah, that's all. Gosh. Shout <laughs> uh, <laughs> for me. Definitely no seahorses over here. Um, shout out to uh, my brother, 
who recently picked up Florida as it is in Rochester now. Uh, got to spend a little bit of the Thanksgiving holiday with him. Uh, so it's nice to be able to have the holidays come around and be able to spend it, spend it with my favorite sibling in the family instead of having to be forced to spend it with my other siblings. Well, also proclaimed favorite sibling. Yeah. Oh, uh, who else for shout outs? Oh, I, I mean, obviously, shout out to the Copester. Um, and then shout out for Slade for getting over the bit. Oh no, did you inject her with some love? Yeah. <laughs> uh, show up on Thanksgiving with some food so she didn't spend alone for the isolation. So your boy put himself in. A little bit of jeopardy there, uh, but I made it out okay. Just um, make sure she wore that mask. <laughs> mask and eating outdoors. <laughs> yeah, yeah we're well, uh, praying and hoping, yeah. baby. Yeah, so other than that, pretty low key here. Uh, just looking forward to the holiday. Potentially making a little road trip for the Christmas holiday with Kobe. Uh, just do something to get out of the city. That's to be determined. Well, well, I mean, if it helps you decide when, pal, I am off all of Christmas week. That uh, Well, the week after Christmas, I should say. Christmas is the Saturday, so that I am off from Christmas all the way through to January 3rd, I finally go back to work. So. Well, if you want to meet me in the middle of nowhere, I'll be right now. What, Connecticut? <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking somewhere, I'm either uh, West Pennsylvania or Vermont area, just to go where it's like cabin or farmland where I can just let her free range basically off leash and not have to fucking worry about anything and just be isolated from the world. If, if we do this correctly, I know a guy who has a very nice estate in New Hampshire probably about a half hour from Vermont. I mean, maybe that week we all magically hang out there. <laughs> hey, well, if that magically happens and you got to send a magic text to me to let me know. <laughs> I, I will let you know. I mean, that man's just looking for company up there. I'll make it work. <laughs> uh, just let me know. All right. Um, Copes are good with other dogs, or...? She's, so, off-leash, off she's fine for the most part. Um, she ha she doesn't spend much time around big dogs, like usually around her size. And at the dog park, she had a bad experience with a German. Uh, I mean, who has, right? Yeah, it's a <laughs> <Speckensy> Deutsch. <laughs> so, she's pretty skittish around either bigger dogs or dogs that, like, come at her with a lot of energy. Uh, but... Other dogs that are like chiller or they like, they chase her around like in a playful way, fine with I've been training her, because on leash she used to bark at every dog, not in a, an aggressive way, she would just bark like, hey there's a dog! Dog found um, it! Yeah, so now I'm trying to get her out of that and she's been doing better with that too, but, um, yeah. Some people want to have like playdates with their, uh, doodle who's like, 60 pounds, and I'm like, that's not going to work. Like, Kobe will not have fun with that. <laughs> so, Kobe would not like Joey? 
Well, I mean, Joey, is he still as rambunctious as ever? No, no, he doesn't hop as much as he used to. He's fine, though. <laughs> yeah, as long as he doesn't, like, trample all over and everything else, he might need a little bit of time to warm up. But to be honest, I don't know. I've only ever brought around small dogs, and I'm not doing anything. Maybe she, maybe she would like to build a dog better. Yeah, you know what they say, pal. <laughs> well, oh, yeah, we'll figure it out. Alright, well, everybody, thank you as always for listening. Kobe, thank you for being such a good girl. And, uh, we're going to catch all you guys hopefully next week, if you're lucky, because it is the holidays. Ben's right, you know. Be grateful. And, um, we'll go from there. It's been different. I'm just waiting for Benny to send me a new mixer through the, uh, through the, the United States Postal Service. And once I get that, I'm hoping this audio will be ten times better, because... This one we got now, I think it's finally crapping the bed on me. So, we'll see. As always, everybody, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Things a man ought to know